Welcome to the Motherhood Village podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Gonzalez Cumberbatch, and I know firsthand that it takes a village to raise a child, but most importantly, that it takes a village to uplift a mother. A mother's village is necessary and can take up many forms. Consider this podcast as part of your motherhood village. No matter the season of motherhood you're in, every conversation will give you more tools to add to your parenting toolbox, and you'll feel supported, inspired, and uplifted. So let's get into an informative and empowering conversation. Hello, and welcome to the Motherhood Village podcast. I am on with two very special guests, Mrs. Alana Yadav and Mrs. Kim Hanlon, who are grief advocates and advanced certified grief recovery specialists, which they are fueled by their own personal loss experiences. They co-founded Yadav Hanlon Grief Support out of a shared passion for offering individual grief support and enhancing corporate wellness programs to support employees around loss and life changes. For those of you that are familiar, this is part three of our three-part series. I had Kim and Alana on the last two episodes. First episode, we touched upon what grief is, misconceptions of grief, uh, the differences between grief and therapy, and how really they should be intertwined and used together, and a bunch of other amazing things when it comes to the importance of grief and loss, as they so eloquently spoke about in the first uh, episode. And then the second one, we discuss motherhood and losing our identity and all of the things in relation uh, a lot of the times to loss and not necessarily in the physical sense, but metaphorically in things that we lose. So here we are for part three, where we're going to discuss how we can discuss loss and tragedy and death with our children. So welcome, Kim and Alana. How are you? Good. Good to be here. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. So it's kind of bittersweet. We're coming to the end, but it's been very fun talking to you ladies. You guys have done such a good job informing my community about grief and loss and all that comes with it. And I myself have learned a lot. So let's dive in. Um, Kim, I want to ask you, when it comes to supporting our children with death and loss, how can we discuss death and then what death is with our children? Before we even get into the grief and loss aspect, how can we discuss what death is? You know, kids are very literal, and I think it also depends on if they're asking us the question um, versus, you know, if we have experienced a loss and we want to have, like help them understand that, you know, grandpa died or what have you. Um when they're asking questions, it's best to answer the question that they're asking uh, and not get carried away going down a rabbit hole of further explanations that may not actually be asking about. And we can trust that our kids are ready for the answers for the questions that they ask. Um, that said, you know, kids are very literal. And so it's, it's good to frame death as to what happens to the body of the body stopped working um and to um answer in an age-appropriate way like when my brother died by drug overdose i have explained to my son high level how he died but since he's so young i said that my brother took too much of a medicine that his body didn't need and that his body stopped working and kept it at that. And then, um, again, just answered questions as they came up. And I continued to do that as 
he gets older, he asks more questions here and there. And um, yeah, I, I keep it to what he's asking. Understood. So like my son and I, we've already had conversations about death and no one in particular, um, but he is watching superheroes and it's everywhere, mm-hmm. right? It's everywhere. It doesn't maybe necessarily have to be someone that he knows personally. And he asks about what it is and what happens when we die and who will watch him if we, if me and his father. So it's kind of, kind of struck me like, oh, okay, we're having this kind of conversation. And I tried to be as literal and as honest as I could be without scaring him. But then there was a lot of what ifs that came with it. Um, And I know you're not therapists in that regard, but what if anxiety does come from that? Like, what if your son then came to you and said, okay, well, mommy, what if you give me too much medicine? What if I take too much medicine? What if it comes from that field of now they're scared? And then I guess part two, and then Alana, you can probably take this. How do we mention our faith? you know, of like speaking well and saying they're in heaven or they're not in heaven. How do we then incorporate our faith into it all? So you bring up a a good point with, you know, what if then they take that idea, like the example I shared about my brother and then develop that anxiety around themselves. And recently my son did actually ask when I was giving him some allergy medicine, um, that question, you know, could this be like Uncle Stephen? And I did say that I was very careful with what medicine I was giving him, that I keep anything that could potentially be harmful for him well in a safe place, and that the medicine he was taking could not harm him in the same way. And for him, that helped him a lot. Um, And, you know, there are other examples that, you know, with respect to if someone shares like euphemisms for death, like, oh, you know, grandpa went to sleep and then a child might get scared, go to sleep themselves. And so that's goes back to the being concrete and literal um, of saying that they they died. instead of passed away or went to sleep or God called them home. Yeah. So Alana, now you can take this question, then how do you incorporate faith? How do you incorporate when, you know, you do believe in heaven and you do believe that where that's where, you know, our bodies go. It might be difficult for children to understand that. But I think even, you know, my father had explained that to my son and mentioned, he's like, oh, well, we go to heaven because my, you know, son mentioned it to him. And he's like, well, what's heaven? And that opened up a whole new can of worms. So then how do you, when you have your faith involved in that, and you are, you know, very faith, I guess, driven with that? So that's, that's a very nuanced question, you know, and a lot of the work Kim and I do we leave space for faith, you know, and I personally, you know, um, pretty religious, but there are certain, certain, you have to tread very carefully to be respectful of people's beliefs, but also still not freak children out. Right. So the whole concept of heaven, I think even for adults, it's still, it's, you know, the whole concept of heaven and hell is, is such a, you know, esoteric concept. And so for children, especially it's, and and Kim said this, it's just very important to be concrete and to use judgment when introducing religious beliefs, but most importantly, if possible to be concrete, you know, 
grandpa died. You know, you not necessarily want to say God called grandpa home because that can really freak a child out. And again, it's, it's really, really important to be respectful of everybody's faith. And that can start to, you know, I don't, I don't want to offend anyone. And, you know, speaking with my own faith, you know, I haven't had to have this conversation with my own child yet because she's not even two, but with other children, just keeping it very concrete and and sometimes sometimes that the, the religious like the whole concept of heaven has to wait till they're a little bit older to understand that concept and right now to keep it concrete and simple that they died the body shut down and they're no longer here and so cuz it's it's a very it's again it's very nuanced to respect belief in religion but also to be able to meet children where they are and not scare them, really. Because if you tell a kid, you know, Kim gave the example, you tell a kid, you know, grandpa went to sleep. Well, you're going to have a kid that's never going to want to go to sleep, <laughs> you know, and because kids take things very, very literally. And so there's a lot of religious concepts, both in Judaism and in every Christianity, Islam, like, and all the different religions, there are concepts that can be taken very literally by children, but are not meant to be taken literally. Sure, that could be taken for, you know, a brain that's small to, that, like you said, there's complexities that we as adults have and questions that we have and that we don't understand. And before we get onto the grief aspect, I will say, to Kim, to go to your point, because you do make a good point, you know, you're like, okay, your brother died of an overdose, and now you can explain as if medicine, love that. But what about other ways? I guess, should you ever, you know, what if there was a car accident? What if it's an airplane thing? You know, I know you said to be very honest, but then Alana, to your point, then a child can get fearful and say, well, what if we went on this plane? Whatever it was, are there any other particular ways other than just keeping it as straightforward as you can for their little brains to handle without going above and beyond and explaining more than, you know, I guess? Um, Well, one way to address questions when it's clear that, you know, a child is starting to think in you about themselves with respect to what you've shared about a loss, like using the example of my son again, is to speak to the emotion of the question as well. So um, that allows them to, to express what's coming up for them in their hearts. You know, it, it might not be just the intellectual fact of yes, technically a car accident could happen to us, but more that they're worried about that. And so we can give them the space to explore that um, by saying, you know, it sounds like you're worried about X, Y, Z. And then that opens up the door for them to be able to share more about that. And then, you know, depending on the age of your child, you can go into facts or more details about the particular thing, like keeping it high level, if appropriate, like airplanes are very safe, you know, plane crashes are very, um, rare. And I hear that you're worried about this because it happened to someone we know. Sure. Do you have, looks like Alana, does it look like you want to add to that? (laughs) Yeah, no, because it just, it's, it's very, very important to validate validate their concerns and to to bring them 
also to the emotional side, you know, so like Kim said, you know, it's, it's really sad that that happened. I don't know why that happened. You know, what's coming up for you? You know, and, and being honest, you know, when, when someone like my dad, my dad got brain cancer, we don't know why, you know, and even at 24, I'm like, where did this come from? And, you know, 24 year old brain is a little more complex than a, a young sure. brain, but even then, where did this come from? And there are no good answers, but by being able to validate those emotions, validate those questions, validate those fears, I don't know why that plane crashed, or I don't know why there was a car accident, but it really is sad, isn't it? You know, and giving them the space to explore what's coming up for them and validating, because the truth is we don't have those answers often. We don't know why horrible things happen a lot of the time, but we do know how it makes us feel and we can give the you know give our children essentially the gift of being witnessed and heard and having that safe space to explore what it's bringing up for them. Okay, so now that we've talked about grief, um, not grief, we've talked about death and how we can talk to our children about death. How can we support our children then through the grief of it? Because to your lady's points you know, with children, and I completely understand we have to be as honest as we can, as literal as we can, but without giving too much, right? Because we know we give children this much and they take it by a whole bunch. I've learned that. Um, My husband and I have always said we want to be honest with our son as much as possible, but he'll ask questions that I'm like, whoa, 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 I'm not ready for this conversation yet. So how do we help them through their grief, especially when they're experiencing something that they've never, you know, this is for a little kid's brains. Like I said, it's, it's hard for adults, but for a child, Um, how can we support them? And are there any tips um, for any activities that we can do with them to help process their grief? Kim, if you want to chime in first, and then Alana, we can go to you. Yeah, so we say time and again, the importance of putting on one's own oxygen mask first. And so first and foremost, being resourced for oneself. If there's a family loss, making sure that you yourself are receiving support because how we show up and how we navigate grief is modeled for our kids. And that's where they form a lot of their belief systems about how to navigate difficult times. Uh, And those belief systems are something like 80%. I don't remember the exact number formed by the age of five. Wow. Um, And, you know, they can be addressed down the road and shifted. However, it's much easier to get those belief systems set earlier to know that it's okay to be upset, that we don't have to be strong for others. We don't have to grieve alone. It's okay to feel a range of emotions and even conflicting feelings about an event. Um, And so activities, to answer your specific question, um, there's a really powerful book that we always suggest called When Children Grieve by John James and Russell Friedman. And that book in itself has a lot of information on the myths about grief and ways to support children through loss, including an exercise called the emotional energy checklist. Mm-hmm. And this exercise, you know, I, we would recommend one to read the book or look at a grief support program called Helping Children Through Loss, um, which is based on that book to get more details. But the main part of the exercise is to look at the main loss and then do a heart dump. We talked about this similarly last week with a different exercise that we've adapted from this one. Um, 
we just do like a heart dump of anything else associated with it. So if parents got divorced, then the kids might be worried about, okay, am I going to have two homes now? Am I going to have a new brother or sister? Like if, you know, someone's getting remarried or a new school and all of those things may seem intellectual on the surface, but if they're worrying the child, there can be a lot of emotions and grief around it as well. So that helps the conversation flow and helps validate the feelings for the child. That actually makes a good point because same way we were talking about how in last episode of grieving in motherhood, grieving our identity, grieving loss of a friendship, our children can grieve, We're not, not just the way of saying death, but can grieve if there's divorce, can grieve mm-hmm. their own friendships that they lost as children and maybe not fully understanding what that means and that when something comes to an end and something new can begin, grieving if they move from different schools. So I'm glad you brought that up. Alana, do you want to add to Kim's point of maybe other ways um, that we can help children through our grief um, or through their grief and through their loss in not just death, but in loss of friendships, their parents divorcing and things like that. And grieving not being an only child anymore. You know, ah, just there we go. Yes. <laughs> thinking of a very personal example. And I mean, really, in addition to the emotional energy checklist, just being able to play games and get on their level because some, you know, kids really communicate through play. So if you can just, you know, getting on the floor with them and playing, whether it's Legos or dolls or whatever it is, and following their lead, because a lot of times you can. If you keep your eyes and ears open, there's a lot they're communicating with us. You know, there's this incredible, excuse me, tool that therapists used uh, that a sand called it. Um, I'm forgetting the exact name, but using a sandbox and putting a lot, letting the kids choose different toys, and therapists are really able to see a lot of what is coming up for children without children who don't have the ways to vocalize. It's very, very powerful. So. Don't underestimate the um, power of play and giving that space without judgment. And kids may act in different ways. They may act out. They may want to go run around. They may be giggling incessantly. Not to discipline them, to let them, you know, get that energy out however they need to get it out. You know, um, and to, again, give them space, ask questions, keeping it concrete. And again, like, that's most important also is, is modeling healthy grieving. You know, if, if you need to cry, say, you know, I'm really missing, we'll just use grandpa, you know, I'm really missing grandpa right now. And letting the kids see that it's okay, that it's safe to cry, that it's okay to have big feelings. And it's okay, you don't have to go shut yourself in a room. I know I would always take breakups very hard in high school and would always be told, oh, it's just a boy, it's another fish in the sea. And was very invalidating, you know, and I look back at it now, have someone just been like, yeah, that's really hard, you know, and giving me a hug, it might have been a little bit easier, but we can start this young. We can start setting up that emotional safety that they can come to us and they may start hysterically crying if their Lego blocks fell apart, but it may not necessarily be about the Lego blocks. It could just be they're trying to express all this emotion and they don't have the vocabulary. Because frankly, I'm sure we can all think of adults that we know that don't have the vocabulary either. Not a criticism. We just, we're not taught. We're not taught 
the vocabulary of the heart. And I'm not talking science, technical terms. I'm talking emotional terms and terminology and how to express and take care of our heart. I will say, um, for those listening, um, because I know people, you know, still kind of have that antiquated old school view that it's like, oh, everything is about feelings, you know, like that comes up, right? You have that a lot of people, oh, everything, you know, tell our children to speak our feelings, but it really does work. Um, it, it works when we can talk to our children as young as they can even understand to say, well, tell me how that made you feel. Talk to me about that. I will say, because this is it's prevalent to the conversation, my son was three, maybe yeah, three and a half, three. Um, and the school that he's in, they transition him um, between like the class that he's into like a VPK three class. And there was a boy there that he was best friends with. And my son is the type of child that we learned very early on. If you are his friend, you are his friend and there's no other, like he's in it to win it. But of course, as we know, that might bring problems, right? The, the boy didn't always want to play with him. So we had to talk through of him not understanding that fine. So one night before bed, he's just acting out. And I mean, acting out. And I was like, no, this is, this is, you know, mommy intuition came. And I said, this is deeper than him not just wanting to go to bed or whatever. So it was bedtime and I usually lay down with him and I'm like, hey, so what's going on? I'm like, how was school? And he was like, no, you know, acting up. So I said, is there anything you want to talk about? Did, did you have a rough day at school? Did something happen? I'm like, how are you and Camilo? Did something happen? And he just started bawling and he goes, Camilo, at three and a half, three, three and a half. Camilo wasn't my friend. He's not my friend anymore. And he didn't play with me all day. And he just let the emotions out. And I just held him. And I said, I know, baby. I said, did that hurt your feelings? And he said, yes. I said, okay. And we just talked through it. So there is something powerful. And that was only at three years old. And to this day, he is now five. He can verbalize. And I was still blown away at how young that he was able to say that what was bothering him and that he had been holding all day that this little person that was his like BFF for life didn't want to play with him all day. So the parents listening, it is very powerful. Um, And sometimes when we think our children are acting out, it's deeper than just them having a tantrum, that there's something brewing there that maybe we need to have a little bit more patience with them and to ask some more open-ended questions to really kind of get to the bottom of it. I'm always thankful for these kind of conversations because all these kind of conversations, I also learn as a mom and I can then take with my son. So you made some really good points there, Alana, about, and Kim, about the importance of just having those conversations. Now, Kim, I want to put this back to you. When do we know that it is gone too far though? When do we know when it's just, okay, maybe they should see a grief specialist and it's maybe a little bit further to where, oh no, this is serious. And maybe they're handling the loss a little bit too too much or they can't handle it, right? And, you know, and the things that you're doing aren't working. When are there signs? Um, and then, you know, what are possible next steps to take from that? That's a great question. And also a tricky one because different kids will present their upset in different ways. And it can be hard to know when to seek additional help, especially if we have our own ideas about therapy. And, you know, some cultures, it's very taboo to seek out therapy or additional support. So that's always a factor. Um, And, you know, I would say that in general, if one is concerned, it doesn't hurt 
to get a referral. Um, You know, and this is different. I know that therapy can have a whole other set of, again, um, ideas about what it is. Um, But, you know, for my son, he needed speech therapy and it didn't hurt to go get that consult to get him evaluated um, because then we knew we could have a specialist view of his needs. And I would say similar with loss, but some of the signs are repeated stories. You know, the kid just really fixated on the loss, the or particular aspects of the loss. And part of that's just a natural way of processing. Kids will continually ask questions and share bits of their, their, their understanding of what happened as they process it. It's, it's part of how they do that. Um, so that's another area where it can get tricky because some of it may just be normal processing of grief. But if you notice that they're having trouble falling asleep, they're having trouble focusing on anything different. They're not, they have changes to their eating, um, their appetite, or maybe regressing um, in terms of certain developmental milestones, like starting to wet the bed when they hadn't for a long time, Um, starting to throw or or have more difficult times. I I hesitate to say the word like throw tantrums. I know. (laughs) It's just different, you know. (laughs) Um, You know, I I don't want to place judgment there. Um, You know, these kids have these big feelings, but when we're noticing these meltdowns and, and this dysregulated behavior more, then it's good to just seek a professional who can do an evaluation and see if your child needs additional support. Sure. And I would imagine, like you said, not just in the death, but in any major change or any major transition in their life that they're going through. Alana, it looked like you wanted to tap in and add to that. Yeah. Every ditto to everything Kim said, but There's also something about being in community with other people who have had a similar experience. Now, all of our experiences are individual to us. However, being with other people, like, like I know what brought me a lot of comfort was being around other people who had lost their father. So, cause there's that unspoken bond and there are some amazing children's camps that are devoted to this, that put children together and they start at young ages um, I was fortunate enough to be able to volunteer at one a few years ago through CARA, which is in Palo Alto, California. And it's it's three days at a summer camp where it's there's a combination of some guided conversations, but there's also play like rope climbing and swimming and everything. And kids are put together um, by age and are put together by age and have that opportunity to talk about their losses. So kids who have, you know, whose parents have died and witnessing these 10 year olds talk about, you know, my dad died by suicide. My dad died, you know, by police fire. My mom died by cancer and having them all this, this sacred safe space to be together where they can then, you know, have these deep conversations and then go throw and kick a soccer ball and then go swimming and they have this totally safe space. So I recommend that regardless if you see signs or not, because to have that community and there's a lot of different, uh, I shouldn't say a lot. There are a bunch of different ones. I know specifically about out here out West, Jean Cara and New York Life has an incredible program and like 
um, partner with Camp Aluna, I believe it's called, but it's very powerful to have that community. And there's also year-round programs where the kids get together and sometimes it's, it's literally just play, but they're with other kids who have had their own loss. And to have that community to be able to fall back on each other for the kids and the parents alike, because then the parents can also support each other supporting their kids. So I can't even stress enough how I think, I think regardless, it's important for kids to have that, like that, that community of others who have gone through such hardship. The village, it always takes a village, yes. right? And again, we always think that it's a mother's village, but our children need a village. Our, you know, we need a village for what we're going through. So yeah, I love that. I think that's so important. It's a support group for them, for them to go. And like you said, for them to be open. And I would say if there's anyone listening to this, and if you have experience, if your child or children are going through any big losses, transitions in their life, seek out maybe support groups in your area that might be. I know in Florida, there in South Florida, there's Tomorrow's Rainbow. They do horses. So there's, um, they help children through animals, right? So they come, they can ride horses. So that's how they do their, their support group. So um, I, I love that. Just sure. to add one thing. Please. So for, you know, if your listeners are all over, there's an incredible organization called the Dougie Center, and you can actually put in your zip code and it can tell you resources that are close to you. And they have awesome. a lot of incredible activities for all age, different coloring templates and different art projects. So the Dougie Center is an amazing, amazing resource that just has a plethora of information as well and can link you to these kind of grief summer camps and grief programs all over. Awesome, thank you. So now I wanna go into the part three of this conversation. Um, because I feel like it's it's just everywhere and I don't know how we turn it off or, you know, our tragedies, these mass shootings, the anxiety children feel with these tragedies, because that still correlates to death and loss and not maybe someone that they know personally, but what they see on TV, going through the drills at school. I don't know what, you know, uh, how I would even begin that conversation when my son has to get to that level when he does get to primary school. But Kim, if you want to touch upon this, or Alana, um, please let me know which which one. Um, how do we talk about this other than we'll turn off the news? And I feel like, because we don't really watch the news at home, but then it's when they go to school, right? They can hear from other kids. It's, it's that. So I feel like at some point, it's going to be brought up. So if they come to you and they're like, hey, I heard this, how do we talk to them about the tragedies of what's going on in the world? You know, it, it's a good point that you say of you know, it's one thing to limit what their media intake yes. is, which I do agree with to some extent. Um, because I think kids deserve to be kids yes. as best they can agree. to not be exposed to some of the horrible things that happen. And like you said, they'll hear about it at school. My first grader this year has had his first Alice drills and, <sighs> you know, it's, it's a lot. And I was in tears listening to the principal share with us at a parent teacher meeting um, about what they did for the drill and how they talked about it on, you know, um, as they went through the drill, how they described what was happening in their theoretical situation. Um, and so, yes, it's very important for us to be proactive, unfortunately in as best we can an age-appropriate way. 
Um, so with respect to school shootings, and gosh, this just breaks my heart to even have to think about this. I mean, but think of how many shootings we just had in the last week and a half. That's why I'm like, it's it's mind boggling to me. And it, it's one of those things, right? We're talking about grief, but grief surrounds us in so many different ways of, you know, seeing, I'm, I grieve. I grieve for those people that I see and those family members that aren't going to, didn't even know them. But what do we have? Like three shootings in the last week or four? Like I'm, I'm actually, I, I don't even know, which is even the, the crazy part. So I, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I feel like it's so important to even discuss how can we, and maybe there isn't a, an answer and we're just kind of going along with it but I think it's just something that needs to be spoken about because unfortunately that's where we are in the year of 2022 yeah um so with with respect to the school shootings for my young son you know we've talked about how there might be someone who comes on campus and wants to hurt people and the need to stay safe and listen to the teachers and, you know, things that they can do because it's helpful to know of a plan. Um, and, you know, as they get older, you can share more details. Um, like I know for, with the Alice program um, in elementary school, there's the C, which, gosh, I can't, it's called counter. It stands for counter. You counter the attack, do something to help go against the attacker. And in elementary, they talk about that as the teacher's responsibility. Okay. And then in high school, I can't even imagine, but they talk about how high schoolers could help counter. And, you know, they, they're having these conversations in the schools. And so, again, giving this space for the kids to talk about it if they want with you, with their friends, with the school counselor, or with a professional. Um, because these are really mind-blowing concepts that, you know, we, we think that we're in this safe country. We're not at war here in our country. It's not like we're in a country that, that has that in your face every day in a very, you know, visceral way. However, we do have it in the sense that these school shootings do happen. Correct. And more so, I mean, one is more than it should ever, but to your point, yeah, you think, well, we're in, we should be in this safe country and, and we are from outside attacks, but what the heck, you know, it seems like I said every day, there's, there's something that we hear. And thank you for that. Thank you for, for being honest and saying of look sometimes you just need to have the conversation and be and I don't even know and I can imagine even in your mind saying wait am I really having this conversation with my child right now that's what six because then imagine the anxiety levels and I can know I, I now see why the therapists I have spoken to on my show have said children's anxiety levels are more than they've ever seen for a variety of reasons um, and I, I do believe in letting children be children as long as possible. And one of my support groups, um, the, the lead therapist had said, you know, is there anything you, you wish you could change from your childhood that now maybe you do differently? And the, the, the young woman who was sitting next to me was like, look, I grew up in New York. So I knew about prostitution, drugs at a very young age, because that was a reality of what surrounded me. She was like, and a part of me I struggle with feels like 
I'm happy because it kept me safe, right? To your point, her mother having these conversations of these things can happen. She was like, but at the same time, I didn't then enjoy my childhood after that. You know, you're changed forever with those kind of conversations. So now she struggles with her own children of how much do we say to keep them safe, but how much do we try to let them be normal as possible as they can, even though we know these things are going on. And going back to the original point, even if we keep them from it, then what they might possibly learn about in school and then take home, right? Which then we got into, I think is one of, we then started discussing, which is one of the challenges of motherhood, right? Of trying to protect our children when there's these outside forces that we cannot control. Alana, is there anything that you would like to add um, when it comes particularly to tragedies, having these conversations with our children, it's such a hard conversation to have, you know, when I, when I have my, my mama bear hat on, you know, I'm, I'm like sitting here trying not to melt into, you know, a puddle. Cause it's just, it's just heartbreaking. And when I have my, you know, my grief specialist hat on, I'm still trying not to melt into a puddle cause it's a hard conversation to have. And I think that that balance is so hard to find because the kids you want them to be young but you also want them to to be smart and now with the internet there are things that in our youth we did not have like cyberbullying like it took 10 minutes to dial up on the internet back then you know and and it was still very I like I'm talking about like my childhood and not to date myself here but you know it's times have changed with technology. Now there's all kinds of ways to not just be violent in person and to be violent on, you know, virtually and on the cyber bullying and, and the repercussions of that and how it all plays together. And, and so that balance, I wish there was an answer, you know, I wish there was a prescriptive answer where we could say, this is what you do. And just like in grief, there's no one size fits all. And I think most important is to be having these conversations, you know, is to be, you know, you know, as moms for us to be having these conversations with each other. And then when it comes up with our kids to, to be honest in an age appropriate way, because I don't think it's the end of the world to say, you know, I don't know why this is happening. You know, I'm, I mean, you could go into the whole explanation of how hurt people hurt people. And, and there's a whole lot of stuff, but at the end of the day, it's, 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 it's heartbreaking and it's terrifying for everyone. And to just be able to be there and hold that space. And if kids are acting out to, you know, hold them and say, what happened today? You know, cause I imagine those drills are very jarring. I remember having an experience when I was abroad having a drill and it was fake and it was terrifying. And so only to imagine these young children having these drills and also the importance of them because if it can save another life. So all, all this is to say having these conversations are important. Having us all start to to just ask the question, just to be open to each other, to, to not just ask the questions, but to listen to each other and answers and you know, I guess it starts with us as the adults to model it for the children. If we can just start to have dialogue, you know, I wish there was more, you know, I mean, I, I know we, we, Kim and I talk about this, you know, like 
like what 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 can we do how can we support better in our space and I think this is how we start you know by having these conversations by planting these seeds and just starting to unite us and not divide us anymore and but it's really hard it's really hard I agree thank you both for for eloquently um, answering that. I know that wasn't an easy question. Um, and, and to your point, Alana, I think it's something, it is important to have these conversations amongst adults, amongst moms to say, okay, well, when that comes up, geez, how are we going to discuss to our kids? Because it is inedi- in, inevitable. Unfortunately, um, that is just, and, and I hate that term that now, but it's like, it is the world that we live in today. And going back to the reason why I do this podcast, I'm sure the reason why you have your support group, right? Is the education, the support, the connection, because there is something when people come together as, as you both know, right? And to share and to have a space, safe space to say, hey, and to listen to conversations to say, ah, okay, now let me try that. Um, I do also say that it, it's something also in sending our, our children out into the world, whether there's someone that is maybe dealing with grief, loss, um, to be kind to one another. It's one thing I try very hard to instill in my son for so many reasons, but going back to, I think it was our first conversation as saying, we never know what somebody is going through, whether they're grieving through something, dealing with loss, whatever's going on. Like we have zero clue and to just be kind and have grace for one another. So even when my son has had his own transgressions with kids, and, and I don't say it exactly like that, only because again, I, I, I now know that if I mention one thing, he kind of takes it a million places. So I try and be clear, um, but without getting too complicated. So yeah, I think kindness, you know, and just, just having grace and patience for one another. So ladies, as we wind down here, are there any other final thoughts? Um, I'll give you both kind of uh, a minute or so if you want to kind of end it here. Any final thoughts when it comes to grief, death, loss, in any of the different realms of it? It doesn't necessarily have to go for today's conversation. I think it's just, it's, it's so important to remember there's no one size fits all with anything. And we all have our own nonlinear journeys in our lives. And while we can experience things that other people experience it, we always experience it in our own way through our own lens and to just be able to respect that with other, of other people and to be kind and compassionate, because like you said, you never know what someone's going through. You know, you never know what someone has behind that big smile they may have plastered on their face. You never know what someone is going through and it doesn't take a lot of effort to smile or to be kind, to say thank you, to say hello, to say I see you. And if we could start there, these these are not huge things, but they are very, very, very powerful, very powerful. And to just say that it's okay to seek support. There are a lot of resources out there. You know, Kim and I have mentioned a few. There's books. And if you need more resources, don't hesitate to reach out to us, to reach out to the Dougie Center to reach out to NAMI, the National Alliance for Mental, um, I forgot what the I stands for, but to reach out to organizations to get support. There's a lot of strength in looking for support and there, it's okay to get support because there are people out there who can and will be able to help you and give you resources and stuff. So please don't hesitate to contact any of these organizations, contact us because you don't have to go through this alone. It's hard enough as it is. 
Agreed. Thank you. Kim, any final thoughts? You know, just, you know, to take Alana's point of having grace and compassion for others because we don't know what they could potentially be going through, you know, we like to encourage people to extend that same grace and compassion to themselves. You know, earlier in this episode, I mentioned that, you know, the belief systems about how we navigate difficult times or just belief systems in general are pretty solidified by the age of five. Um, And, you know, A, that shows how, you know, if we're having a hard time supporting our kids, if we're having a hard time going through loss, you know, we may have just been not taught the tools. And, And even if we have the tools, grief is hard. So to have that grace and compassion for what you're going through and knowing that there's no one right way to grieve, that how it shows up for you today may look different tomorrow, next year, and that can be okay. I agree. Thank you both ladies so much for coming on for part three, for just sharing your wisdom, your experience, um, and for helping my listeners. I know I learned a lot in speaking with you both. These will be three powerful episodes. So thank you so much. I know you, you said it in the first episode, but Alana, they can find you at Yadav and Hanlon.com, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. Y-H-D-A-V-H-A-M-L-O-M.com. Perfect. And I know you guys are working on your workbook. Will that be finished this year? The digital version is finished and we have a special promo for all of your listeners. We have a code and coupon that I think you can include in the show notes. And the published version, stay tuned for 2023, the hard copy. Awesome. <laughs> yes, um, we will put all everything in, in the show notes for the promo. So thank you for that. Um, I hope you ladies have a wonderful weekend and continued blessings to you both for love and light. This was, Vince, this was special. This was awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Take care. Thank you for listening to this impactful episode of the Motherhood Village podcast. Subscribe to my show so you'll never miss a future episode. You may also rate and review on Apple Podcasts and share this episode with someone that can use it as part of their motherhood village. Remember, your village can take up many forms and you do not have to do it alone. Connect with me at themotherhoodvillage.com. Blessings to you for love and light.